The name of my message is Joy in the House of the Lord. The church should be the happiest place on the planet. Scripture tells us that in His presence there is fullness of joy. The church is the place of His presence. So there should be the fullness of joy. In heaven there is constant celebration. There is a continual festivity going on. We are told that even the angels of God rejoice when one sinner turns back to God. Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we are praying heaven in, praying heaven down on the earth, that means that we are also believing for a release of joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when His kingdom comes, there is a release of joy. God wants the church to be full of joy more than ever before. The first thing that I want to share with you is that there is joy in going to the house of the Lord. In Psalm 122, in verse 1, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The word in Hebrew translated, I was glad, actually means to brighten up. One day, Miha and I were back home in our city in Cluj, Romania, and we wanted to go for a walk through the center. But they had announced that it was going to be really nasty, rainy, wind-blowing weather. We went prepared with our rain jackets, our umbrella. But as soon as we stepped out of the car, the clouds began to part The sun began to shine down. It was a beautiful day. So we walked all the way through our center, through our our park. It was beautiful. That is what happens every time that somebody says, let us go to the house of the Lord. The clouds begin to part. The darkness is scattered. His light begins to shine down upon us. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you would visit St. Paul's Cathedral in London, you would see written above the door, the entrance to the church, these words. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So that every time people go to worship, they are reminded of the joy that is experienced whenever we get to go to church. This was written by King David. It was a song of ascent. Three times a year, the Jewish people were commanded by God to go up as a people to Jerusalem to celebrate different festivals. This was one of the songs that they would sing that he wrote as they were climbing up the steps towards Jerusalem, getting ready to go to the temple. Probably One of those times there was a tribe or another group of people that saw King David standing off at a distance and they called him, they invited him. And David loved to go among the worshipers. He loved to be among the people of God. And he joined their throng. He joined together with the worshipers as they were climbing up together. And as that invitation went forward and he heard it, joy filled his heart. It didn't say, let me go up to the house of the Lord. It didn't say, you can go up. It said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. There is a corporate gathering together, coming together of the people of God. If you read in the book of Acts, you can underline every time it uses a word like one accord, together, common, community, we, us. It's filled with that. That is the church. It's about all of us Together. There's that togetherness. In Zechariah 8.21, it says, 
that the inhabitants of one city will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many scholars believe that that was a prophecy by Zechariah of the evangelistic fervor of the early church. The inhabitants of one city will say to another city, let us go up at once. There is an urgency, an immediacy to the invitation that was given to entreat the favor of the Lord, to seek his face. Then they personalized it. They said, I myself am going like I'm going to church. Would you like to come together with me? There is a pastor, a preacher in the 1800s by the name of Samuel Martin, who said it so well. He said many who would never come alone would come most willingly under the shadow of your company. Then, brothers, to your non-attending neighbor, say, let us go. To reluctant neighbor, members of your own family, say, let us go. To those who once went to the house of God in your company, but who have backslidden from worship, say, let us go. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. There is that invitation going forth in the spirit world right now. There is a gathering together of the people of God. Even where sheep have been scattered, God is causing them to come back into His flock. There is a returning to the house of the Lord. The Psalms are filled with similar declarations of Love and passion of longing and desire, not just for God, but for God's house. It says things like, oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. It's a love for God, yes, but it's also a love for God's house. It's a desire, yes, for God, a hunger for God, but it is also a desire, a hunger to come into His house. I have a question that I want to ask you today. Think about this with me. Can you really love God and not love His church? I would suggest to you that you cannot really love God and not love the church. The more you walk with God, the more you love what he loves, the more his thoughts become your thoughts, the more his feelings become your feelings, the more what he is passionate about, you become passionate about. Remember the time that Jesus grabbed a whip and he began to chase out of the temple those who are buying and selling. He began to turn over the tables of the money changers who were there. When he did that, his disciples remembered what was written about him. Zeal for your house consumes me. The word zeal means to be boiling. To, to be at that boiling point where you are really on fire. You're not just a little warm. You are hot. That is what Jesus feels for his church. Zeal for God's house consumes me. Paul the apostle said that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He sacrificed. He gave his all for the church because he loves the church. He's in love with the church. He loves the church like a man would love his bride. 
He wants to give us the same heart for the church that he has. His heart beats for the church. He loves the church so much. He is always thinking about the church. John, the beloved apostle, wrote, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You can't say, I love God and not love your brother. That's a fake kind of hypocritical, surfacey love that we don't want to have anything to do with. God's looking for genuine, real love from the heart. The love that we have for God is demonstrated, lived out in the love that we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And our brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the church. That's all of us. I know many people have been hurt in the church. They've been wounded in the church. They're still carrying scars, things that haven't been completely healed. And so it's hard for them to really say, yeah, I I love the church. But God wants to give us that love for the church. Aren't you glad that God doesn't wait to love you till you're perfect? Till you have all of your ducks in a row? Till everything is in order in your life? And he also loves the church just as it is now in its current condition. With all of its spots and wrinkles, with all of its warts and pimples, he loves the church just how it is right now. And it's his love that changes us. It's his love that transforms us. David loved the house of the Lord when it was just a tent. Before it was the fancy, ornate, gold-covered, cedar-filled temple that his son Solomon would build. He loved the house of the Lord when it was just a tent. Daniel loved the house of the Lord when it was in ruins. When he was in captivity in Babylon, he would still open the windows of his house three times a day and kneel and bow down facing Jerusalem, facing the temple, the place where God's presence was. And he would pray towards the place of the presence of the Lord because he knew that from that place, God would answer his prayers. And God, in a similar way, wants us to love the church just how it is. Somebody said that if there was ever a perfect church, the moment I showed up, it would already be an imperfect church. So God wants us to love the church in its current condition right now. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up unto the house of the Lord. In Fox's book of the martyrs, It's the history of how Christians in many different generations suffered for their faith. It tells the story of a man in Germany who was condemned to death for his faith. He was condemned to be burned at the stake. And when he heard his sentence, he began to sing the words of Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. He was talking about the house of the Lord, built not with human hands, built by the hand of God himself in heaven to his eternal home. And one day, each and every one of us will hear that homeward call. And we will also say, I was glad when they said to me, we will rejoice as we enter into our eternal reward in the presence of the Lord. But until that day time comes, every single time that we hear the invitation coming forth, let our hearts be filled with joy, with gladness, with excitement, with that brightness. Let us go unto the house of the Lord. The second thing that I wanted to share with you is the joy 
of serving in the house of the Lord. Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2, if we can open up there together. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. Then in verse 10 it says, says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. This was a psalm written by the sons of Korah. Korah was a man who lived during the time of Moses, who together with some other prominent men led a rebellion against Moses and against Aaron. 250 of the main elders in the nation joined together with them in their rebellion. They come to Moses and Aaron as a group and they say to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? When you look at the words that they say, there's a lot of truth to what they're saying. They said the whole community is holy. That's true. They said the Lord is with them. That's true also. The worst kind of deception is not just a complete blatant lie. It's a mixture of truth and lie. That's why from the very beginning, the serpent came to Eve with a mixture. That is why the devil goes masquerading as an angel of light. Mixture is the most dangerous type of deception that can come. There's been a lot of discussion by theologians and scholars about why did Korah lead this rebellion? Well, Korah was Moses' first cousin. Moses had lots of problems with people in his own family. Somebody say, I can relate to that. Moses was a Levite. So there was already some feeling, some discontentment among the Israelites. They were saying that he was showing favoritism to his own tribe. He was exalting his fellow Levites. And they thought that wasn't very fair. Also, probably Korah and some of the other Levites didn't like the fact that only Aaron and his son could become priests. They thought that the priesthood should not just be hereditary. It shouldn't just be handed down from generation to generation. But the priesthood should be based on education, merit, how gifted someone was. So they came with their complaints. They came as a rebellion. The Lord was not pleased with what they did. And it says that the ground opened up its mouth and swallowed up the main leaders of that revolt together with their tents, all their belongings. They could still hear cries coming up from the ground. Then fire went forth from the presence of the Lord and consumed the 250 other elders who had joined with them. And that day, over 14,000 of the Israelites died. Scary stuff. That's like worse than a horror movie. But in Numbers 26, verse 11, we see what is one of the clearest examples of grace in all of Scripture. It says, but the sons of Korah did not die. They did not die for the sins of their father. They did not enter into the rebellion of their father. How many of you are grateful for God's grace and mercy, which has kept you alive? But for God's grace, 
we all would have gone that way. But God has kept us alive by His grace and by His mercy. We can stand today. As time went on, the sons of Korah kept on multiplying, kept on growing until there was many of them. There were some well-known sons of Korah or descendants of Korah that we see in Scripture. One of them that you have probably heard of was a man by the name of Abedadom. During the time of David, they took the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it in Abedadom's house for a period of three months. During that time, Abedadom and his whole house were so blessed by God They were so blessed by the presence of God that David said, we need to bring the ark back to Jerusalem so that God's presence and God's blessing can be on our whole city and even on our whole nation. God wants to make your house a house like a Betadam's house, a place where the manifest presence of God dwells continually. It's time for us to bring the ark into our houses, to build an altar in our houses, to make our households a place of the presence of God. He wants to change the atmosphere in your house. A second well-known son of Korah was named Samuel. When Samuel was just a very little boy, he made his bed right next to the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of the Lord. From that place, he would hear the voice of God speaking to him saying, Samuel, Samuel. And it tells us in 1 Samuel 3.15, that Samuel, as a little boy, had the responsibility of opening the doors of the house of the Lord every single morning. He was the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. He would welcome in the worshipers when they would come day by day. Samuel grew up during the time of Eli. And Eli's sons, who were named Hophni and Phinehas, were very wicked men. Even though they were serving as priests, they were abusing the offerings, the sacrifices that the people of God were bringing. They were even laying with some of the women who came to worship right at those gates of the temple. Samuel said something like that should not be. We must protect and guard the presence of the Lord that's in the house of God. So when he grew up, it tells us in 1 Chronicles 9, in verse 22, that David and Samuel the seer appointed some of the sons of Korah, the Korites, to be gatekeepers in the house of the Lord, doorkeepers in the temple. Samuel knew what an important responsibility this was. And he didn't entrust just anyone with that responsibility. He found people of his own relatives, of his own family, and he placed them as doorkeepers in the house of the Lord. Some of the sons of Korah were singers. They were the worship leaders. But some of them were appointed to be doorkeepers. Those were probably the tone-deaf ones. The ones who couldn't sing too well, who couldn't really carry a tune. They're like, we'll place you guys to be doorkeepers. But being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord... That meant that you would open the temple gates in the morning and you would close them again at night. It meant that you would stand ready to receive tithes and gifts that the Israelites would bring. You would stand watch over the storerooms and treasuries to make sure that nothing was stolen. They also would stand guard to make sure that no unclean person would enter into the presence of the Lord. They were guarding God's presence in God's house. 
They were protecting the holiness of the people of God. How many of you think that was an important responsibility that they had? Samuel didn't trust just anyone with it. He gave that very important job to the sons of Korah. Korah's whole rebellion, his whole revolt that he led was based in pride. He wanted to do something that would make him seen, visible before the people. But his sons learned to do something that he could never do himself. They learned to be content in doing even menial tasks in the house of the Lord. Doing things that nobody else would recognize or see. Where no one was standing by to applaud for them or tell them, oh, you're doing such a great job. They did it for the Lord. They, they didn't have to be preaching or leading worship or, or uh, prophesying in the front where everyone could see them. They were willing to even just maybe help cleaning the bathrooms. Maybe help welcoming people when they were coming to the church, working in the nursery, working with the children. They were willing to do whatever was needed because they had hearts of servants. And I like to imagine that Maybe one day while they were standing there in the gates of the temple, they began to sing this song. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of my God because better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else in the world. Then they would sing while they were standing there in the gates to the temple. They started to sing. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tent of wickedness. There they were referring to the tent of their father, which had been swallowed up into the earth. They were saying, thank you, God, that we didn't die that day with our father. But you kept us alive so that we could praise you, so that we could glorify your name. I would rather be a doorkeeper. As a pastor, I've seen over the years how people can learn, lose their joy of serving in the house of the Lord. Sometimes people lose the joy of serving in the house of the Lord because they're serving man, they're not serving God. Psalm 101 says, serve the Lord with gladness. If I'm serving the Lord, I'll do it with gladness. If I'm just serving man, I might do it with gladness. I might not do it with gladness. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm, I'm just serving my pastor. I'm doing that. Well, yes, you're serving your pastor and that's a good thing. But you have to see beyond that. You're not just doing it for your pastor. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Jesus said, whatever you do unto the least of these, you are doing it unto me. Even if you give a cup of water, you will receive a reward. That is the joy that we get when we shift our eyes off of just serving man. Yes, we're serving people, but behind that, we are really serving the Lord. We are doing it with all of our might as unto the Lord. Another reason why people lose the joy of serving in the house of the Lord is because they're serving as slaves and not as sons. In this parable of the prodigal son, the younger son returns home again. His father throws a big party for him, kills the fattened calf. Everyone's inside celebrating except the older son. He's outside having a pity party, feeling sorry for himself. And the father goes out to find him. He says, why don't you come inside? There's joy in the father's house, not outside. <laughs> come on in. But he answered his father and he said, look, these many years I have served you. And I never disobeyed your commandment. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. 
Look, all these years I've been serving you. In the Greek, what he actually says there is, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've been working for you like a slave. I never disobeyed one of your commandments. That's religion. That's legalism. That's living under the law. Can I tell you, there is no joy in religion. There is only joy in having a relationship with Jesus. You never gave me a young goat that I could go and celebrate with my friends. But now there is great celebration taking place, but he couldn't enter into that celebration. The father answers him and says, Son... He, he referred to himself as slave. The father says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Not just a goat. All that is mine is yours. Many Christians don't enter into their inheritance because they don't recognize that the inheritance has already been made available to them in Christ. We are co-heirs together with Christ. You don't have to wait till after you die to enter into your inheritance in Jesus. He has made the inheritance available to you now. The Father says to you, all that I have has always been yours. It's made available to you. God wants to give us a revelation that we are serving not as slaves. We are serving as sons. The slave has no permanent place, but the son has a permanent place in the father's house. The son has a place of belonging, a place of purpose, a place of destiny in the father's house. In Psalm 84, it says also, even the... The sparrow has made its nest. Probably they, they saw a bird that had gone and built a nest and laid some eggs right next to the ark, right in the presence of the Lord. They said, even that little bird can just come and go in your presence. What a privilege. What an honor. Each person can find their purpose in the house of the Lord. Each person can find their place in the house of the Lord. In Genesis 35, 1, it says that God told Jacob, return to Bethel, where I appeared to you when you were running from your brother Esau. Make your home there and build an altar for me. God said to Jacob, return to Bethel. Of course, we know Bethel means the house of the Lord. And this is what the Lord is saying today. Return to the house of the Lord. It is time for people to return to the house of the Lord. There is that invitation going forth in the spirit world. There is a trumpet sound going forth. Return to the house of the Lord. Return to the house of the Lord and make your home there. His house is our house. Where He dwells, that's where we dwell. In His church is where we find our purpose. Where we find a place of belonging. There is joy in serving in the house of the Lord. Even in doing the small things. In doing the smallest things. In doing whatever is requested of you. There is joy in serving in the house of the Lord. The third and the final thing that I wanted to share with you this morning is that there is the joy of being the house of the Lord. In the book of Nehemiah, they had rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. The walls had been torn down before. The gates had been burned with fire. It took a lot of work, a lot of effort, but they had finally completed the reconstruction of Jerusalem. They gathered together all of the people in Jerusalem to celebrate, to have a great festivity that finally their work was accomplished. 
Ezra stood up on a wooden podium and he opened the scroll, scroll of the law and he began to read to the people. The Levites went throughout the crowd to explain to them the things that were being read. For many of those people, it was the first time in their life when they were hearing the word of the Lord. It was the first time in their life when they were hearing the law. They became so convicted. They saw that the level that they had been living was so much lower than the standard of God's Word that they began to weep. They began to mourn. Nehemiah, Ezra, the other Levites, they went and they stopped the people from crying. They said, weep no longer. This is not a time for mourning. It's a time to have a festival. It's a time of celebration to remember how good God has been to us and how far He has brought us. And it says in Nehemiah 18, they said, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That can also be read rejoicing in the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord means to praise Him, to give Him thanks. You can rejoice in the Lord every single day, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. You can give Him praise. You can give Him thanks. You can lift your song up to Him. Is your strength or is your strong tower It is your place of safety. They were trying to remind them, it's not really these walls. It's not these gates, even though we completed this rebuilding of the city right now. But what is really going to make us strong, what is really going to give us protection and covering, it's when we rejoice in the Lord. It's when we praise Him. It's when we give Him thanks. That is what will cause us to be strong in the Lord. Miha shared with me a story of something that happened to her when she was just five years old. She comes from a small village in the western part of Romania, which is known as Transylvania. 500 homes in the whole village. One day when she came home from her preschool, A fire had started behind her house. It had burned up the wood storage shed that they had. But some of their neighbors had come and started passing buckets of water from person to person until they put out the fire. It never got to the barn or to their house, which it could have if it wasn't stopped in time. Miha was so scared that she went and she sat on the steps outside of her house and she began to cry. Just then, her grandmother returned from working in the field. She was carrying a hoe over her shoulder. She saw Miha crying so much on the steps there. She said, Miha, what's wrong? And Miha said, there was a fire. When her grandmother heard that, her grandmother let out like a silent scream from deep inside of her And she dropped the hoe on her foot. Miha felt like, I need to say something. So she said, don't worry, Grandma. It didn't get to the barn or to the house. It was just in the wood storage shed. Then her grandmother felt very relieved when she said that. In Romania, many times they'll even light a fire in a field, burn it all up so that Later on, it can bring forth an even greater harvest so that they can see even more fruitfulness coming through that land. We have all been through the fire recently. People who study things like this said that before COVID, 13% of America had mental and emotional issues, problems. Now, They say that it's over 50% of the country. People have been so attacked with with fear and torment in in their minds. The effects of of isolation, the effects of, of, of sickness. It's really affected people many times more than they even recognize. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God wants to give you back your joy again. 
David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He wants to give you back your joy again. It was said about Jesus that he was anointed with the oil of joy more than all of his brothers. The Lord wants to pour out that oil of joy that breaks every type of, of sadness and sorrow, of mourning and depression, of fear and anxiety. It is broken by the oil of joy. He wants to give you back your joy again. He wants to give you your song, a new song that it will come forth from your heart. He wants to cause you to rejoice in Him, to praise Him, to thank Him, that you will find your strength in Him, in the Lord. In Nehemiah 12.43, it says, They offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. That people had all been through the fire. But the Lord had been with them in the midst of the fire. And he brought them safely through on the other side. Their city had been through fire. But after they came out of the fire, it was their greatest season of rejoicing. They all sang their songs together. They offered great sacrifices. And they rejoiced. For God had made them have great joy. It says men, women, children, all the people together, they rejoiced and their joy was heard from far away. I like to imagine that the ground around them began to shake because of the noise of their joy and their enemy who had been trying to destroy them and who had opposed them at every step of the way that they had gone could now hear the sound of their rejoicing. The enemy was afraid of them. Whereas before they had been afraid of the enemy, now the enemy was shaking because of the sound of their joy. The Lord has brought us all through the fire. He was with us in the fire. But now as we step out of the fire, this can be our greatest season of rejoicing that we have ever experienced before. We can rejoice with great joy. We can experience our strength in the Lord. May our enemy even hear the sound of our rejoicing from afar. May the ground begin to shake at the sound of our rejoicing. May our joy be heard even unto the nations of the earth. The Lord wants to release such joy to the people of God, to His church. The joy of going to the church. The joy of serving in the church. The joy of being the church of God. He wants to fill us with so much joy. He wants to give you back your joy again. He wants to give you back your song again. He wants to make you sing your song and experience his victory because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just give him praise. I actually had a dream before I came to the U.S., and in my dream, I preached this church, this message here at your church. And afterwards, there came such a release of power in my dream for the sick to be healed. And I believe that that's going to happen here today. The Lord wants to release His power of healing, physical healing into your bodies. The power of the Lord was present with Jesus to heal the sick. And the power of the Lord is present here today to heal the sick. Let healing flow into your body. Let the power of the Lord be manifested in your body today. Our prayer, Lord, is that you would stretch forth your hand to heal. Cause signs and wonders and miracles to happen because of the name of your servant, Jesus.
Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, with your anointing. His anointing is here right now. Oh, if you have any sickness, if you have any pain in your body, receive the touch of healing right now. If you want to, you can just stand up on your feet. Let's lift our hands to the Lord as a sign that we are ready to receive everything that He has for us. Lord, we pray that You would pour out the oil of joy upon Your people. The oil of joy, the oil of gladness. That anointing for joy, let it be released here today. We break all mental torment. Every emotional attack in the name of Jesus be broken right now. Fear and anxiety go in the name of Jesus. Depression, heaviness go in the name of Jesus right now. You have turned our mourning into dancing. You have turned our sorrow into joy. Oh, just receive the oil of joy. Maybe you felt that the effects of isolation. Maybe you felt even in your mind or in your soul, in your emotions, like you were affected. Just allow the Lord to pour out that oil of joy. Receive it right now. In the name of Jesus, there is freedom. Freedom being released to you in the name of Jesus right now. Freedom in the presence of the Lord. Freedom in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come right now, Lord. Come, Lord, with waves of healing. Waves of healing. That it come right now in the name of Jesus. If you need any physical healing in your body, right where you're standing, just you can keep one of your hands up, but just put a hand on your own body right now. Put a, put a hand on your body if you need any type of physical healing. Jesus said, you will lay your hands on the sick and they will get better. Can I tell you, you don't need someone else to lay their hands on you necessarily. Sometimes that can help, but you can also lay your hands on yourself. Lord, right now, I pray that you would fill your people's hands with power, with healing power, with healing fire, with healing anointing. Let all sickness disappear right now. Let it go in the name of Jesus. We speak to all infirmity, to all sickness, to every attack of the enemy, to all pain. Let it go in Jesus' name. And Lord, let your healing power be manifested in people's bodies right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Oh, by His stripes you are healed. There is healing in the name of Jesus because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still healing. He is still restoring. He comes to strengthen you in your body right now. The effects of fatigue and tiredness are being removed from you right now. The Lord showed me all types of bone and joint pain being healed right now. I, I specifically saw hips Hips be healed in Jesus' name. Shoulders be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed right now. The Lord also showed me a woman who had something growing in, in her breast and the Lord is touching you right now. Let that be burned out of your body. Any cell that should not be there, let it be burned out of your body right now in the name of Jesus. Someone who is dealing with a, a strange type of infection. It was like hard to get rid of. The Lord is touching you. And that we curse that infection in your body. Let it shrivel up and die and bear fruit no longer. In Jesus' name, be healed right now. The Lord is speaking alignment. Alignment into your body right now. Straighten up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, let your power come right now. We thank you for the authority of the name of Jesus. You will trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and it won't by any means harm you at all. I believe that's a word for somebody concerning your feet. You had a lot of pain in your feet. And right now the Lord is touching your feet. How lovely are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. The Lord is touching your feet right now. All pain go out of the feet in Jesus' name. Healing to the bones of your feet in Jesus' name. 
We thank You, Lord. We glorify Your name, Jesus. Just tell Him right now. Say, thank You, Jesus, for healing me. I receive my healing by faith in the name of Jesus. And I thank You for it. And I give You the praise and I give You the glory for healing me today, Jesus. Let me just encourage you right now. Begin to do something you could not do before. Or if you had any pain in your body, just see where the pain was. And just test out your healing by faith in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's in the moving, in the acting that the Lord releases that. Do it by faith right now in Jesus' name. We thank You, Lord, and we give You all the glory. We give You all the glory. We give You all the praise, Jesus. We thank You, Lord. How many of you felt like the Lord touched you, like there was some healing taking place? And Just wave at me if you felt like there was change taking place in your body. Praise the Lord. There's hands waving all over the room. You felt change happen in your body. Just wave at me. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, wave. wait, Keep waving. If you felt change happen in your body, you felt like something was healing. Okay, all of, all of you, we want to make sure, all of you that the Lord touched and healed now of something, we want to make sure that we get to pray with you. And also, if there's others of you who need physical healing, who you haven't felt the complete release yet, we want to make sure we get to pray with you also. And if there's anyone who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, we want to make sure that we get to pray with you also. And I'm just going to have Pastor Stephen come now, and he's going to give us some instruction of how we are going to do the altar call here today. Thanks, David. Powerful word, amen. Just real quick, uh, David and Mihai are going to take uh, a season of time to do personal ministry as he uh, said what they wanted to pray for. But let me just give you, we want to protect uh, them and we want to protect each other. And so uh, down in the altar areas, there's 10 uh, pieces of blue tape and those are going to be spots where people can come and stand either as a couple or as a family or as an individual. And so if you fit the category that they're calling for to be ministered to this morning, uh, we'll begin to make our way forward and there'll be ushers at the head of the aisles and they'll make sure that each of these spots are placed and ministry will take place. And then after you receive your ministry, if you could uh, move back to your seat and then we'll place the next person or the next family uh, into those spots so that everyone can be prayed for that needs to be prayed for and ministered to this morning. So thank you for helping us with that. Amen. So firstly, I would like to call those of you who said, like, I felt like the Lord already touched me and brought healing. If you can start coming up and filling on those blue lines. And then we're going to also minister to those who still need even more of a touch of healing in your body. Then you can come and anyone who needs the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you can come also as well. So as we come, let's just worship the Lord and put our faith and our expectation in Him. We'll stay as long as we need to, to be able to pray with each person. Oftentimes, just after somebody even already gets healed we just want to seal what the lord has done in their body by praying and standing together with them praise the lord thank you lord let's just stay in an attitude of worship and an attitude of pray let's stay focused on the lord and what he is doing in this place and allow the holy spirit to minister and to move by his power in our lives thank you jesus